Journey to Pentecost, brought to you by the Greek Orthodox Christian Society of the Greek Orthodox Archdiocese of Australia. Today we commemorate the Sunday of the Holy Fathers. The Church was strengthened into one faith through the preaching of the Apostles and the doctrines of the Fathers. The Church is robed in truth, woven of the Word of God from above. It teaches truth and glorifies the great mystery of faith. We'll be joined by Andrew Psaromatis, member of the Greek Orthodox Christian Society, to reflect on this feast day. Maria Stavropoulos of the Greek Orthodox Ladies Group will also reflect on the early church and the followers of the way. We'll also play you hymns chanted by the Sydney School of Byzantine Music along with Greek traditional songs sung by the Greek Orthodox Christian Society. This is The Journey to Pentecost. Andrew Psaromatis, member of the Greek Orthodox Christian Society, on the Sunday of the Holy Fathers. This coming Sunday, the seventh Sunday after Pascha, our Church celebrates the Holy Fathers of the Council of Nicaea, also known as the First Ecumenical Council or the First Ecumenical Synod. It is believed that the feasts celebrating the Holy Fathers of the Church Synods most probably began in the beginning of the 6th century. It is at this time that the hymnography that was composed to honour the Fathers and the theology of the Fourth Ecumenical Council were composed, and by extension these hymns were also used to honour the Holy God-bearing Fathers of the First Ecumenical Council held in 325 AD in Nicaea. This always happens on the Sunday following the Ascension of our Lord. And there is also a historical link with the Council as this particular Sunday leading up to Pentecost Sunday the following week more or less coincides with the opening of the First Ecumenical Council, which was held from May the 20th to August the 25th of the year 325 AD. As the ecclesiastical historian of the 14th century, Nikiforas Kalistos Xanthopoulos, emphasizes in his Synaxarion, the Son of God truly became man, and the perfect man ascended to heaven, 
the right of his majesty in the heights. For the fathers of this council proclaimed him thus, confessing him to be consubstantial with and sharing the same honour as the father. It is indeed moving to read the description of the church historian Eusebius in his biography of St. Constantine the Great regarding the events of the First Ecumenical Council, where he notes that many of the bishops and priests who gathered at the town of Nicaea for the First Ecumenical Council still bore the marks of the recent persecutions of Christians. Some had been blinded, others had their limbs amputated. As Eusebius describes, they had patiently enjoyed their sufferings out of their love for Christ. It may be often tempting to ask, why does our church choose to honour something that could cynically be referred to as a large conference? Yes, it is true. The main issue at hand was in answering the question, who is Jesus Christ? Many were of the opinion that whilst Christ died on the cross and rose from the dead, he still remained a creation of God, albeit the highest form of creation. And then there were others who believed in the depths of their souls that what they and so many others had been persecuted for and had died for could not possibly have been for a created being, but for God himself incarnate. Amongst other things discussed at this council were issues such as settling a common date for the celebration of Easter and clear definitions on what were the geographical limits of various church jurisdictions. However, we need to respect the fact that many of these fathers suffered for their faith. They were prepared to die for it. And whilst we may have a romanticized notion that this council settled the question on who Jesus Christ is, the truth is that controversies and heresies continued to plague the church for many centuries. Nevertheless, as Eusebius describes, among the ministers of God, some were outstanding for the word of wisdom, others for their severity of life and patient endurance, others were adorned by their moderation. Some among them were honoured for their length of years, others shone with youth and spiritual energy, some had just reached the road of priestly ministry. The dogmas of the fathers settled after much dispute and passionate argument had no other intention but to maintain the truth which the Lord gave and the apostles preached. And indeed, it is often years later that the councils which we call ecumenical received special honour within the church. They were not called ecumenical because they had equal and fair representation from all the known world. They are called ecumenical because, as our late Archbishop Stylianos of Australia has written, 
every synod which deals with matters affecting the essence of the church can be called ecumenical, irrespective of its reception by the entire Christian church according to a majority vote. What is sufficient is that the teaching formulated by the synod corresponds to the genuine spirit of the church. Many of the fathers of all the councils of our church, but especially of the first ecumenical council, are luminaries of our faith. Saints, such as Saint Athanasius the Great, Saint Spiridon of Trimithus, and Saint Nicholas of Myra, amongst others. In our church, all bishops and priests, even deacons, are called fathers, because as Father George Dragas has written, they serve the mystery of Christ and thus give birth and food to all Christian existence. End of quote. But most importantly, it is the bishop who is the specific centre of the life of any local Orthodox church. He is the icon of Christ for that whole local church. In Greek, we say that the bishop is istipon ketopon Christou, meaning he is the type and in the place of Christ. Saint Ignatius the God-bearer summarized it very well for us when he said, where the bishop is, there is Christ. Therefore, when we talk about the church, the Orthodox Church, we must also acknowledge that the church is the church of the fathers because the church was indeed constructed upon the foundation of the apostles with Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. So it is through the holy fathers of all eras that we have the maintenance of the apostolic heritage of our church. And because we believe that the church on earth is not divided from the church in heaven, then our holy fathers who have fallen asleep still remain as sleepless protectors of the church. Amen. Stavropoulos of the Greek Orthodox Ladies Group on the Followers of the Way. Today we reflect on the early church. The followers of the Way, as described in the first chapters of the Acts, were Jews who dwelt in or around Jerusalem. In the early apostolic period, the Way spread from Jerusalem to Antioch. It was in Antioch that St. Peter preached and baptized people. 
It was also in Antioch where the followers of the way were first called Christians. The faith spread during this time to many other cities and areas of the Middle East and beyond, such as Greece, where St. Paul travelled to spread the good news, Egypt, where St. Mark preached, St. Philip went to Armenia, St. Andrew preached throughout Asia Minor, Persia and Scythia, St. Thomas went all the way to India to convert people to the faith, and of course Saints Peter and Paul preached in Rome. It is important to note that at this time the Apostles spread the Gospel orally. The New Testament was written and compiled over the first century. It then took another 200 years before the Church would settle on the current canon. The most important decision the Church had to make during the first century was on the treatment of Gentiles. Gentiles are simply people who are not Jewish. A decision had to be made about whether the Gentiles could be baptised and whether they would be bound to follow the Mosaic Law. The first church council took place in Jerusalem in 49 AD. St. James, the brother of the Lord, presided over the council. The holy fathers of that council, inspired by the Holy Spirit, decided that the Gentile converts would not be subject to the Mosaic Law. The church was established in each place as a community rather than in church buildings as we now recognise them. The saints, as they were called, often met in private homes of pious people, such as the home of Saints Priscilla and Aquila in Rome. The earliest such churches were in Ephesus, where Apostle John preached. The apostles were called to spread the gospel throughout the whole world. Because of this, they did not serve as bishops of any particular Christian community. Instead, the apostles ordained local bishops and presbyters to lead the early congregation. In the book of the Acts, we read that the church in Jerusalem continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and communion, in the breaking of the bread and in prayers. Love and faith were so strong among the early Christians that they had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. May we emulate their example. We hope that you've enjoyed this edition of the Journey to Pentecost. Be sure to subscribe on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or head to lychnos.org.au at lychnos.org.au for more orthodox talks, articles and podcasts.